Welcome, weary travelers, to the great big universe of Excess Press. This is a weekly podcast to bring you the news of the Disney theme parks and resorts. Witness for yourselves the wonders of Excess Press. And now, let's begin. Welcome to another episode of Excess Press. My name is Matt, and I'm the host of this Disney Theme Parks News Podcast, and this is episode 44 for the week of February 10th, 2019. Alright, so I hope you guys are ready for another episode this week because uh, I'm not really sure if I am. Uh, I'm feeling a bit quite under the weather uh, this morning as I record, so you guys will probably hear it in my voice. But uh, if, if you hear me sniffling, I apologize. I'm going to try to keep the sniffles to a minimum. But, uh, but anyways, we have a pretty good show for you guys today. Uh, wow, I'm really under uh, underrating this episode. Uh, it's it's going to be a great episode is what I should say. Uh, but yeah, this this past week was the actually the quarter one earnings call for D- the Walt Disney Company. They have a call every quarter uh, for their investors. So there's usually sometimes good tidbits dropped uh, on those calls. So I actually have a, a recording of it. So I'm going to let Bob Iger do some of the talking today. But it was a pretty small news week. There wasn't a lot of big stories that had come out. Um, it's mostly it just yeah, mostly very tiny things. So, but the the big the big news story this week was the quarter one's earning call. So we'll spend a little bit of time on that. And then make sure you stay tuned to the end of the episode because if you entered the Mickey the True Reg, uh, True Original Exhibition Prize Pack, I will be announcing the winner. So stay tuned to the end of the episode for that. But anyways, why don't we just jump right into it and begin this week's episode of the Excess Press Podcast. So like I said, today we're going to be dissecting the uh, Walt Disney Company quarter one earnings call. If you aren't familiar with what it is, it's essentially a conference call where Bob Iger, D. 
Disney's chairman and chief executive officer, as well as Christine McCarthy, senior executive vice president and chief financial officer, talk about the company's financial results for uh, during the quarter. I, I won't be going over the whole thing, but I'm going to analyze all the parts uh, where the theme parks were mentioned. Uh, so I was able to get a recording of it, so, you, so you'll be able to hear Bob and Christine uh, kind of just see what they have to say. So. Uh, so first up, let's hear about what Christine has to say about park attendance and spending. At parks, experiences, and consumer products, operating income growth was driven by higher results at our domestic theme parks and resorts, partially offset by lower merchandise licensing and international park results. Growth in operating income at our domestic parks business was driven by higher guest spending at the parks and higher occupied room nights at the hotels. Attendance at our domestic parks was comparable to the first quarter last year. However, per capita spending was up 7% on higher admissions, food and beverage, and merchandise spending. Per room spending at our domestic hotels was up 5% and occupancy was up 3 percentage points to 94%. So far this quarter, domestic resort reservations are pacing up 4% compared to prior year, while booked rates are up 1%. Results at our international operations were lower in the first quarter versus last year, as growth at Hong Kong Disneyland Resort was offset by lower results at Shanghai Disney Resort and Disneyland Paris. So long story short, uh, attendance, spending, and occupancy at the resorts uh, were up compared to the first quarter of last year. Uh, and I think we, we, we're seeing that in all parks. Uh, this There isn't much, really much of a slow time anymore. Uh, resorts are getting booked up faster and faster. Uh, I think the biggest surprise to me is that the domestic resort reservations are pacing up 4% compared to the prior year. Um, while book rates are up 1%. So even, I mean, even with the ticket and prices, people are still coming out to the parks, uh, particularly Disneyland. And I think we will see another increase sometime later this year for the Walt Disney World Resort. So uh, we'll have to see on that one. But next up, there was a question about the operating and marketing expenses that we'll incur for uh, Galaxy's Edge. So I'll play the question and then the responses from both Christine and Bob. Uh, Bob had a response that uh, made me laugh quite a bit. So, uh, so listen in. Christine, on the impact of Star Wars Galaxy Edge lands launching. In the past, when you've launched lands, there was often a, a ramp in OPEX and marketing in advance of those lands. As we think about you know, profitability or park margins for the year or the second half as, as these start to come in on the West Coast and then later in the year uh, you know, in Orlando, uh, any comment as to whether those are you know, start out you know, profitable off the bat because it's their largest lands and it's a big brand, or is that something that uh, we should really look towards fiscal 20? Thank you. So, Doug, on the opening of the two Star Wars lands, uh, Galaxy's Edge on bo in both uh, the um, Disneyland Park initially in Anaheim, uh, followed later in the, in the fiscal year at Walt Disney World, we have not um, given any guidance or outlook on operating um, expenses that will incur in addition to the normal operating expenses as they ramp up. Um, however, you've seen those expenses increase when we've opened lands, so um, that will be just embedded in their operating income and in their expense lines. 
Uh, both of those will open uh, in the balance of this fiscal year, skewed to the uh, calendar year, uh, but it'll be skewed uh, to the uh, second half. And I would say, by the way, on the marketing expense side, don't expect much. I'm thinking that maybe I should just tweet, it's opening, and that will be enough. I think we're going to end up with incredibly popular and in-demand product with these two new lands. They're large, they're beautiful, and they're extremely innovative, and they obviously leverage the popularity of the Star Wars brand. And I, I think that um, we're going to have absolutely no problem gaining attention uh, for them or to them, and it's not going to take much marketing to do that. That's Thank a, you. That's a signal that I just sent to our parks and resorts <laughs> people to keep that budget really low. <laughs> Thank you. So there really wasn't any new information here. I just thought Bob had given a funny response about the marketing expenses. I, n I know he's joking, but now I'm kind of curious to know how much marketing will actually be done for the parks. Um, I'm sure we'll learn about budgets on future earnings calls, but I, I do think Disney can keep their spending down on marketing and focus it on other things for the lands. Uh, but all I really want is one of those one hour or even two hour would be nice uh, to uh, those TV specials that show the, the making of the lands. Uh, just give me that and I'll be happy. I remember uh, way back when there was like a really one of my favorite ones. There was a great TV special about the, the making of Everest. If they could just or uh, Expedition Everest, I should say. So if, if they could make like a special around the whole lands, that would be absolutely amazing. So. Hopefully we see one of those, but that's just uh, that's just me. That's something I want. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so as far as operating expenses, everything will be normal as of now, and they haven't really given any guidance for additional budgeting as of yet. Um, so we'll see what happens there for the parks or for the uh, the new lands. But anyway, so next up, there was a question, uh, a question that was asked if there was anything specific in the first quarter that had co contributed to the strong occupancy rates and spending at the resorts that they shouldn't expect to roll through the first or uh, through the rest of the year, even with a, a little attendance lift from the opening of the Star Wars properties. Uh, so Bob Iger actually had a pretty interesting response. So uh, let's see what he has to say about that. Steve, on the first part, you know, we've been witnessing over the last uh, few years substantial increase in the popularity of our products. A lot of that has to do with how well they're managed and the kind of investments that we've made, not just operationally, but in uh, expansion and the use of IP that's extremely popular. In doing so, what we're also trying to do is to um, use that popularity to manage guest experience a little bit better in the sense that um, and we know that crowding can be an issue and that when our parks are the most crowded, the guest experience is not what we would like it to be. And so we're leveraging the popularity to obviously increase pricing and to spread demand, to get much more strategic about how we're pricing so that the parks are still accessible, but in the highest peak periods, we're trying basically to manage the attendance so that the guest experience is, isn't, isn't um, uh, diminished by the uh, by the popularity and I think because of the nature of the investments we're making we've been fairly um, uh, vocal and uh, and transparent about those investments the two big Star Wars Toy Story land that just opened up in Florida the work that's going on in Hong Kong and in Paris and in, in Shanghai uh, and in Tokyo um, and and all the you know the great expansion and IP that we're putting in that popularity is going to continue and with that, it's going to come 
the, I guess, enviable task of balancing that popularity with guest experience and, and, and price elasticity. So the biggest takeaway from that is that they're increasing their pricing because of the popularity and to spread the demand. Uh, they want to make sure guests are still having a great guest experience in the parks, which is definitely why they introduced the, uh, the new date-based ticket system last year for the Walt Disney World Resorts. I mean, I can't really blame them for the ticket increase, uh, ticket price increases. People are still going regardless because of their love for the parks and especially for the new IPs that are even being, uh, even being introduced to the parks. Uh, so, I mean, that includes me. I mean, Disney, Disney knows how to handle the guest experience in the best ways possible, uh, but you guys don't really need, a, need me to tell you that. Um, but yeah, so I just found that to be uh, interesting. Uh, lastly, there's a question about the Shanghai Disneyland Resort. Uh, there, they have been seeing uh, some attendance declines in the past few months, and they wanted Bob to co uh, comment a bit on that. So let's see what Bob had to say about the attendance declines at the Shanghai Disneyland Resort. On the Shanghai side, uh, we've seen uh, some attendance softness this year. We're still running a profitable business and we're still investing to grow it. Uh, but uh, some of the issues that China has been facing, uh, slowdown in or de uh, decrease in consumer confidence, which has resulted in uh, fewer Chinese people traveling within China, has had an impact on our business. Uh, that has made it less profitable than we had hoped it would be at this point. But still a very successful business and one that we believe in long term. So it's unfortunate that the attendance is down for that park, but in the meantime, I would probably make the prediction that it will increase over time again. Uh, Disney is investing more into the park, especially with the new uh, introduced Zootopia theme land. I mean, Zootopia was a huge hit for China, and I think it'll definitely help uh, the attendance increase, but that really won't be for quite some time, so we'll have to see what happens there. Um, but yeah, that's all that really came out of the Q1 earnings call from the Walt Disney Company about the theme parks. Uh, most of it was about the Disney Plus streaming coming later this year. People had a lot of questions about it, but there was a, there will be a big reveal event in April. Uh, so there's going to be a, a, most of the questions are going to be answered there. So they were kind of hesitant to answer most Disney streaming service questions. Uh, but anyways, I hope you guys like me going through these earnings calls because I find it to be pretty fun. Uh, there wasn't anything too crazy about the parks that were, was dropped. Remember there was something big that came out of the last call, something about the Star Wars parks, but I can't exactly remember what it was at this moment. But the biggest thing out of this call was actually Bob Iger saying that they will continue making rated R Marvel movies like Deadpool once they acquire Fox. So as a movie fan, I'm, I'm really excited about that news. But, uh, but yeah, so that's it for the earnings call today. So now let's get to the news.
Over the past few weeks, we've mentioned the newest resort coming to the Walt Disney World property, Disney's Riviera Resort. Uh, there's a bit more news to share about that. Disney announced that the Voyager's Lounge is coming to the resort, and it's a place where you can relax and share your, your memories with your friends and family. So the decor is actually inspired by a collection of book titles that Walt Disney gathered during his travels to Europe. Uh, this land will be located next to uh, Le Petit Café, which will, uh, which we actually learned about a couple weeks ago, and we learned that it will be a coffee bar by day and a wine bar by night. Uh, so there really wasn't much said about the new land, so just uh, stay tuned for more details. Uh, I'm just really excited about this new resort and cannot wait to stay there one day. And as a fan of the lounges, I'm, I'm pretty excited about the news about the upcoming Voyager's Lounge. So this next news story is something I'm really excited about as a big fan of the movie Coco. Uh, so on March 6th, the musicians of Mariachi Cobra will be performing the music from the movie in Epcot's Mexico Pavilion. They will be joined by a pair of folkloric dancers to tell the tale of Miguel Rivera. Uh, Rivera, I should say. Sorry, I just had the resort stuck in my head. So it's his name from uh, Coco is Miguel Rivera. Uh, and it's about his love for music and his journey to find what matters most, his familia. So the coolest part is that Miguel himself appears in the form of a handcrafted puppet. Uh, so a show similar to this was performed last year at the Disneyland Resort. So pretty much Miguel was like a life-size puppet that was attached to the front of the, per uh, the person. And like as the performer walks uh, around, he's controlling Miguel as he plays the guitar and sing. It's, it's really awesome to see. Uh, in the Disneyland version, there was all, there were also dancers that had life-size skeleton puppets attached to them as they danced along with the music. So I am curious if the show will be similar to the one that's coming to the Mexico Pavilion over at Epcot. The Disneyland show is pretty big and it took up a lot of walking space, which makes me worried about it being the same show in Mexico. Uh, there really isn't a lot of room there, and my biggest complaint walking into Mexico is how it's just always congested. Um, I mean, either way, I'm really excited for the show, and I hope it lasts a long time, uh, And I, because I really want to see this, so I hopefully it's not like some limited thing. Um, so again, if you want to see this, it begins on March 6th, which will also be during the Epcot Flower and... Uh, fla sorry, I can't talk. The... <laughs> Uh, the Epcot International Flower and Garden Festival. So, yeah, be sure to check that out. This upcoming year, we will see three three live action films from Disney's animated movies, uh, which will include Dumbo, The Lion King, and Aladdin. Uh, Dumbo is actually coming out March 29th, and during that month, you'll be able to watch a special preview of the scenes at the Disneyland Resort, Walt Disney World Resort, and the Disney Cruise Line. 
guests sailing on with or guests sailing with the Disney Cruise Line during that month will get to see the preview uh, aboard the ships at the Disneyland Park. You can watch the preview at the Main Street Opera House in Town Square. While in Hollywood Studios, you can see the advanced look over at the Walt's, Walt Disney Presents attraction. So if you're excited for a Dumbo and can't wait to see the movie, you can go ahead and check out this preview. So Disney is always trying to give their guests the best experience possible and they are always testing out new things. They started something new this past week that I feel like some people might have an issue with. Uh, over at the Yacht and Beach Club Resort, smart speakers have been placed in randomly selected rooms so guests can access information about their vacation. Uh, they could check for bus times, park hours, as well as music and weather. Uh, smart speakers are very popular this day, these days, like the Google Home, the Amazon Echo, and the Apple HomePod. And it looks like the Apple HomePod will be used during the testing due to Disney's relationship with Apple. Um, so I know not everyone likes smart speakers because it can make them feel like they're just being listened in on. I mean, I have some smart speakers at my own at my house and my wife really isn't the biggest fan of them. Uh, but I mean, if you do feel uncomfortable, you can probably just unplug it from the wall so you don't have to worry about it. Uh, I'm not sure how HomePods or Amazon Echoes or Alexas or I'm not really sure how they work. I mean, at least with the Google Home, you just can unplug it from the wall and it won't work anymore. So you could probably just do that if you feel uncomfortable. Uh, I personally like the resort TV channel in our room. I mean, so if you like watching the TV, you can get your information from there. It has everything for the information. I mean, I just love listening to the music of the resort TV channel uh, and just seeing the park hours and the times and I, I get all my information I would need from there, but the, the bus information would be a great thing to get from the smart speaker. Uh, it would be a bit easier than checking the My Disney Experience app on your phone before you head out to the parks. So, uh, Anyways, I'll be interested to hear reactions from guests on whether or not they, uh, they want a smart speaker in their room. Last year, Disney announced that they will be getting rid of all plastic bags in the parks and would be introducing reusable bags. So over at both Disneyland and the Walt Disney World Resort, there are some reusable bags that are uh, now can be purchased at a small fee. They, in they come in three different sizes and are made up of 80% recycled materials. Bags will feature Disney characters uh, mixed with recognizable icons from the Disney parks. Um, which will be found in the Disney-owned and operated shops. So over at the Disneyland Resort, the guests will find four bags. There's one that has designs of the Disneyland Park, the California Adventure Park. Uh, there's one for the Downtown Disney District, as well as the current World of Disney bag. Over at the Walt Disney World Resort, there will be seven bags. Uh, there is a bag for each of the four theme parks, a bag for the owned and operated shops at Disney Springs, 
as well as a shared Walt Disney World resort-inspired bags, of course, for the resort hotels. And then there is a there is one for the ESPN World, Wide World of Sports Complex and other merchandise locations, as well as the existing World of Disney bags. So. I feel like sooner or later they'll start coming out with limited edition reusable bags and I, I, I and people will want to collect them. Um, at some point, each resort could get their own bag instead of a shared one. Uh, there are a lot of opportunities for Disney to make money because I imagine they're very cheap to make each bag. So, Anyways, it's good to see that Disney is putting a stop to plastic bags. I actually bought a reusable one myself when I went to the Disney store a while ago. Uh, also, if you're in the parks and don't want to carry anything, just... Uh, just have the store ship it to your hotel room and you'll get it the next day. I mean, it's super convenient uh, and I use that service all the time. So make sure you guys take advantage of that if you don't want to carry your items throughout the park. So over at Disney's California Adventure Park, it was announced that this summer there will be a celebration inspired by the Lion King. There is very little on this event so far. All that was said that there will be a traveling troupe of storytellers that will celebrate the Lion King in their story, song, and dance, and will invite, and will invite everyone to join on in. So uh, that's it. That's really all that was announced. Uh, I'm curious if this will be similar to the event that's happening over at Disneyland Paris, which I spoke about last week, the Lion King and Jungle Festival. Uh, but time will tell. So as soon as more details are revealed, I'll be sure to let you know. But, uh, but yeah, that's it for this news right now. And then over at the Disneyland Hotel, over at the Disneyland Resort, the Tungaroa Terrace Tropical Bar and Grill has officially reopened. There is a new vibrant look, new offerings, made-to-order dishes, tiki cocktails, Dale Whips, and much more. So the, uh, the Tungaroa Terrace was actually originally inspired by the Enchanted Tiki Room. Uh, the island paradise combines traditional, traditional motifs from many Pacific islands such as Hawaii, Tahiti, Fiji, Sumatra, and New Guinea. Uh, inside, there's new decor details which feature tropical murals with, a, with hidden tiki room birds, uh, bamboo accents, exotic stone countertops, and glass fishnet lights. Um, and it will also have open, airs, view, open air views of the pool. Uh, outdoors, uh, the guests can enjoy an extended new patio with brightly colored rattan lounge chairs, tiki bar stools, and a communal table for fun, inviting ways to enjoy sunshine and the island vibes. So there are hot and cold dishes that you can grab all day long. Breakfast is served until 11 a.m. There is a lot of different options, but the clear standout is the Tungaro Toast. This, the brick toast comes coated in cinnamon sugar and topped with bananas foster, whipped cream, bananas, and toasted coconut. Uh, there are also a lot of shareable foods as well, but the one thing I would want to get is the Kahlua-style poutine. It can, consists of crispy crinkle fries topped with pork cheese curds, gravy, and pickled onions, and Fresno chilies. 
So other dishes include a lentil garden bowl. Uh, they also have a uh, Angus burger, or it's like a Hawaiian cheeseburger with grilled pineapple, bacon, and uh, lots of other stuff. So a lot of good menu options here, and there's also a lot of great options for the kids, so you don't have to worry about that. Uh, the restaurant also offers newly enhanced marketplace for grab-and-go pastries, snacks, coffees, and of course the Dole Whip soft serve, the floats, and... Uh, yeah, the Dole Floats also have a splash of rum, plus there is a full bar of island cocktails, and you can use mobile ordering at this location as well. So the Tungaroo Terrace Tropical Bar and Grill is located in the Disneyland Hotel adjacent to Trader Sam's Enchanted Tiki Bar and the pool area. So be sure to check that out and try some of the new foods if you're staying over at the Disneyland Hotel or if you just want to stop by and give it a visit. So that's it for the news this week. Uh, we're going to move on to questions from you listeners. And uh, I feel, I feel kind of bad because I got a couple in from Instagram uh, this past week. Uh, and I feel bad because I had wrote down the questions, but I forgot to write down who they are from. Um, I, I'm, my, I think the second one I'll be answering is from our friend Carter, who actually had the voice message from last week. But I apologize, I forgot to write down who sent in these questions because I put it up on like the Instagram stories and I took a screenshot of them and I uh, I just, I forgot to, it doesn't give you the name and I tried to go back in to find out who it was from and I couldn't. So I'm really sorry, but we, so we have listener questions in from this week, so I'll be answering for you, but I apologize guys, I can't give you a shout out because I'm an idiot and I, uh, I forgot to write them down, but so the first question uh, that we got in, what was the best quick service in each park? We may go in May and wondered what I thought. So, uh, so yeah, the, the, question, the answer for this uh, will be my own personal opinions of what I think is the best quick service in each park. Um, so I'll give you a few options to, uh, to help you out. But uh, so over in Magic Kingdom, here's here's some of my favorites. Uh, I'm actually a big fan of Pinocchio Village House over in uh, Fantasyland. Um, now I know some people aren't a big fan of it, but like they have these flatbreads there, and I really like the flatbreads. My wife loves them too. Um, I feel like the past couple trips we've gone, we just we're, if we need quick service, we know we can count on the flatbreads. Um, so we really enjoy those. Uh, there's also Pecos Bills, Tall Tale Inn, and Cafe in Frontierland. Uh, so if you like like a southern type, type of food, like Tex-Mex, Tex uh, it's fantastic. They have really good burgers. I like the salads. The nachos are awesome. And then there's like a big fixins bar that you could put all this stuff on top of it. So Pecos Bill is also up there for me. I probably like that one more. Then uh, Pinocchio's, so I'm more of a fan of Pecos Bill. I probably should have put that first, but, uh, but yeah, so I'm more of a fan of Pecos Bill. And then I'm a, I'm a fan of Casey's Corner. I think the hot dogs are good as well as, the, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of the corn dog nuggets. That's usually what I like to get, the corn dog nuggets, which is good. Um, so this next one uh, I'm only mentioning because a lot of people love this quick service place, but I personally don't care for it too much. Uh, so Columbia Harbor House, um, 
they have like fried fish and then fried shrimp as well as like chicken breast nuggets uh, i know people love the lobster roll there um that that's pretty pricey though i think that's like 16 or 17 bucks or something like that but yeah so i'm i'm not a big fan of columbia harbor house but i know other people are uh so you might want to check it out maybe it'll be up your alley but uh yeah those are those are some of my favorites for the magic kingdom so moving on over to Epcot, uh, that one's actually really tough for me because every time I go, it's during the Food and Wine Festival or like the Flower and Garden Festival. Uh, and I usually try to get snacks from different kiosks because there is a ton of great food to try. Um, so since you're going in May, Flower and Garden Festival will be going on. Uh, so my suggestion is to, tr is to try multiple food and beverages around the parks. Um, and here's what I think you should do is what I think you should do is when the list of food is revealed for the festival Look through it and make like your top five choices uh, This way you'll have a plan of what you want to eat when you're at uh, when you're at Epcot uh, So when the list comes out, I will be doing a big flower and garden uh, festival preview Which will be similar to the food and wine show that I did last year uh, and if you're also on the Disney dining plan, you can use your stack credits towards this, so that'll count. Um, and if you're if you're going to the festival and you want to try different things, um, I'm not sure who you're going with. I don't, it, it didn't say in the question, uh, but if it's say it's just uh, you and your spouse or you and your kid, it's it's easier to share items, and that'll help you try different things. So usually, like when I go with my wife. Um, what I'll do, what we'll do is like we'll buy one item and then split it and then like we'll buy another item. That way we could try as many things as we want. Uh, but if there's something we really want, we'll just uh, get our, get our each, uh, get, we'll each get our own uh, portion. So that's my suggestion for Epcot because honestly, uh, again, I don't really, I feel like I don't do quick service at Epcot. So, but luckily the Flower and Garden Festival will be, will be going on while you're there. Uh, and then over in the Hollywood Studios Park, um, I would suggest Woody's Lunchbox. Uh, I haven't been there just yet, but I hear the barbecue brisket mount is really good. The, cha the tachos are supposed to be really good. Um, they're pretty much a potato barrel or uh, tater tots with not, like nachos seasonings on it or whatever. And then... Uh, over, I'm actually a big fan of the Fairfax Fair on Sunset Boulevard. Uh, the Mojo Pulled Pork Sandwich is great. Um, but even if you want to go get some snacks at the Tap Line, uh, tap line House, uh, where you can get like beers and then they have a bunch of snacks. Like they have a big pretzel there, which is great as well. Uh, but that's just like for a snack. But yeah, I would suggest Woody's Lunchbox or the Fairfax Fair on Sunset Boulevard. Um, and then uh, Disney's at the Animal Kingdom. There is a Tuli Canteen in Pandora. Now they kind of made some changes to the menu recently. Um, so when we went, I'm a big fan of the, the bowls that they get there. You can get all these like rice bowls with chicken or beef or vegetables. Uh, and they also had these cheeseburger steam pods, which are great. But from what I looked on the menu, it looks like it, it only comes in the child's meal now, which is kind of weird, but I don't know why they got rid of the cheeseburger steam pods that is like an adult dish but uh but yeah i i do love the bowls over at satuli canteen and plus you're in pernora when you're eating which is pretty awesome so i would suggest that uh also we're a big fan of the yak and yeti local cafe uh where we like the veggie tikka masala or the honey uh, honey sesame chicken uh so yeah the it's just like a it's the there's a yak and yeti restaurant but then they have like a little outdoor cafe that you can order from so so yeah, those are those are my suggestions. Uh, but one last tip is make sure if you 
use any quick service restaurant, make sure you use mobile food ordering uh, within the My Disney Experience app. It will save you so much time. I've talked about it all the time on the show. I mean, I definitely, I'm pretty sure I told the story. Uh, but one time last year, we were going to Pinocchio's Village House. Uh, we were meeting family friends that were there. It was around noontime. They, we met a family. There was like a group of 10. Someone were sitting at tables. Uh, a bunch of them were in line to get food. What happened was they were already in line for like 15, 20 minutes. We get, we get there. We put in the, our mobile, uh, mobile food ordering. We order our food. Within no less than like five to ten minutes, we have our food and we get it. We're, we're eating and then they're back another 20 minutes later. So long story short, it took us about ten minutes to get our food where they waited online and it took them close to 40. So make sure you guys use mobile food ordering if you're going to a quick service location. So uh, thank you for the question. And I am so sorry. I, f- I forget who it's. I don't know who it's from. I really apologize. I don't like doing that. Um, but yeah, so apologies for that. Um, so the next question, I'm pretty confident it came from Carter because I remember he was the last person to ask a question. Um so the his question was at least I hope it was I apologize if it's someone else's. Uh, which Walt Disney World Park do you think has the best Fast Pass tier setup, uh, Epcot or Animal Kingdom? Uh, so he 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 told me not to worry about uh, the other two. So we're choosing from Epcot or Animal Kingdom. So I'll kind of just if you're not sure what it means for the tier systems, uh, they have tier one attractions and then tier two attractions at parks. Um, now, uh, tier one attractions are, of course, like the more popular ones, and tier two are like the less popular. And what happens is, is when you go to make your fast pass either 30 or 60 days out in advance, you can only choose one tier one attraction, and then you can choose two tier two attractions. Um, so, starting with Epcot, the f- there are five tier one attractions. There is Frozen Ever After, Test Track. Soren Illuminations and then the Epcot character greetings and then tier two attractions are Mission Space, Spaceship Earth, Sea with Nemo and Friends, Living with the Land, Pixar Short Film Festival, Journey to Imagination and Turtle Talk, Talk with Crush. Um, so over at Animal Kingdom uh, the tier one attractions are Avatar Flight of Passage, the Navi River Journey, uh, those are the only two. And then, of course, the other Fast Pass Tier 2 attractions are Kilimanjaro Safaris, Expedition Everest, Dinosaur, Cali River Rapids, uh, Primeval Whirl, Rivers of Light, uh, It's Tough to Be a Bug, Festival of the Lion King, Finding Nemo, Adventurer's Outpost Greeting. Um, Adventurer's Outpost Character Greeting, sorry. Uh, so, in my opinion, I actually think the Animal Kingdom uh, Fast Pass tier system is much better. Uh, I think the tier two attractions list is way, way better. I mean, it's awesome that you can book both Kilimanjaro Safaris and Expedition Everest that has long waits. Even if you're a fan of Kali River Rapids, that that line always has a really long wait when it's hot out. People just want to get soaking wet on that one. Um, To me, there's dinosaur can have a long wait. I feel like for a lot of the tier two attractions over at Animal Kingdom, the attractions can get... um, they can have longer lines, and I feel like there are sometimes better rides. Uh, I mean, I feel like over at Everest, or sorry, <laughs> Everest, over at Epcot, uh, Spaceship, or, or sorry, not Spaceship, but Mission Space, it usually doesn't have that long a line. 
Um, Spaceship Earth is usually, it's usually pretty short. It could be like 30 minutes at a high. Um, but yeah, I definitely think Animal Kingdom has the better Fast Pass tier system because it'd be nice if you can get like a Flight of Passage Fast Pass and then uh, say, I, like, I don't really need to go on the safaris as much, but I'll, I, like, usually what I'll do is get either uh, Flight of Passage and then I'll get like Everest and then Dinosaur. Like, I, I would do that. Um, and then over at Epcot, my favorite attraction over there is Soarin'. So usually what I do is get Soarin' um, and then Spaceship Earth and then Mission Space. That's usually what I do. And then I just do those rolling fast passes. But even for over at Animal Kingdom, what's great is they have the musicals. The Festival of the Lion King and the Finding Nemo musical. I mean, it's great. Usually people line up. There's usually long lines for that. And you don't have to wait in line. You just show up and you have your fast pass for that. So I think those those musicals at Animal Kingdom really come in handy as well. So, but uh, but yeah, so that's uh, that's my opinion. I think the Animal Kingdom fast passes are better. But yeah, those were all the questions that we received this week. There was one other one from our friend of the show, Jen. She was actually on our interview with a cast member on episode 23. I believe it was the second interview that I had ever done on the show. But uh, yeah, the, the question she sent in was, uh, it's going to take a little bit of research, so I'll make that a separate segment on next week's show. Uh, but for now, we the last item on the thing we uh, on the episode we want to do today is I want to announce the winner of the Mickey True Original Exhibition Prize Pack contest that I had uh, announced last week. So I put out there uh, a trivia question for you guys to answer because I had talked about my time visiting the exhibition over in New York City and I had just gotten a prize pack for you. Uh, so yeah, I put out a trivia question. Uh, so the question was, which messy item does Disney not sell anywhere in their theme parks? And the answer is gum. They do not sell chewing gum anywhere in the parks. Disney just does not want the, the risk of having a gum just all over the ground. Um, so they don't sell it anywhere. Uh, it's, you can bring gum in, like that's fine, but, uh, but yeah, you will not find it anywhere being sold in the parks. So we got a few entries in, so the winner though, randomly selected from all the people who guessed correctly, the winner is Jen Vetrano. Con congratulations Jen on winning the prize pack, I will reach out to you so I can get your address and I can send that over, so... Uh, thank you, everyone, who entered the contest, and maybe better luck next time. But, uh, but Jen, congratulations again. So, but, uh, yeah, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. Um, I do have another interview with a cast member coming up this week. Uh, uh, so you'll see that on Wednesday. And if you want to be on the show, if you are a previous cast member, or if you'd like to be on the show, you can just reach out to me and we'll, we'll set that up. But uh, anyways, if you guys are not subscribing to the podcast already, uh, please do so either on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or however you listen to podcasts. You can find us easily at excesspresspodcast.com. You can find me on all social media on Excess Press Podcast, on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook uh, and you can also shoot me an email over at excesspresspodcast at gmail.com uh, and if you would like to send in a voice message and have it played on the show you can easily do that just use the, your the voice memo app or the voice recorder app on your phone and uh, you can just email that directly to me but keep the, the messages to about like a minute uh, minimum or maximum uh, I don't yeah I don't need like a really long question I just want to 
get it uh, quickly on the show. So yeah, so keep it to like a minimum if you do have a, a voice message. But uh, but yeah, that's it. Uh, thanks for tuning in and for your support of the show. This is Matt from the Excess Press Podcast signing off. Until next time, travelers. We hope to see you next week. And remember to seize the future with excess. Bon voyage. <laughs>